There's a song called I'd Rather Have Jesus and the difference between coveting and contentment. You only have contentment when you put all your faith, your trust, and everything into God Almighty. When you start to covet and you realize that within your life, as you covet, you're lusting, you desire, and it's an attitude thing that you're going through. May I encourage you today, it doesn't matter if you have silver and gold. It doesn't matter if you have all the riches in this world. What matters most is that you have Jesus. Jesus than silver or gold. I'd rather be his than have riches untold. I'd rather have Jesus than houses or lands. I'd rather be led by his nail-pierced hand than to be the king of a vast domain or be held in sin's dread sway I'd rather than anything this world could afford today. I'd rather have Jesus than man's applause. I'd rather To his dear cause, I'd rather have Jesus than worldwide fame. I'd rather be true to his holy name than to be.
In the Ten Commandments, Commandments 6, 7, 8, and 9 are the ones that prohibit acts of evil, murder, adultery, stealing, and perjury. And then there is one commandment that prohibits the thing that leads to murder, adultery, stealing, and perjury. Which one is it? It's the last of the ten. Do not covet anything that belongs to others, not their spouse, their house, their servants, their animals, or any of their property. In order to understand this commandment and its unique significance, the first thing to understand is that this is the only one of the Ten Commandments that legislates thought. All the other commandments legislate behavior. In fact, of the 613 laws in the five books of Moses, virtually none prohibit thought. Why then does the Ten Commandments include a law that prohibits a thought? Because it is coveting that so often leads to evil. Or, to put it another way, coveting is what leads to violating the preceding four commandments, the ones against murder, adultery, stealing, and perjury. Think about it. Why do people do those things? In most instances, it's because they covet something that belongs to another person. Obviously, that is the reason people steal. Thieves covet their victim's property. But it is also the reason for many murders, and coveting is obviously the reason for adultery wanting the spouse of another person. As for perjury, or bearing false witness in the language of the Ten Commandments, that is done in order to cover up all these other crimes that are caused by coveting. But in order to understand why coveting is the one thought that is prohibited in the Ten Commandments, and one of the only thoughts prohibited in the entire Hebrew Bible, we need to understand what coveting means, and equally important, what it doesn't mean. To covet is much more than to want. The Hebrew verb, lachmod, means to want to the point of seeking to take away and own something that belongs to another person. Note that there are two operative elements here, seeking to own and belongs to another person. Seeking to own does not mean just envying, or in the case of your neighbor's spouse, just lusting after. Neither envy nor lust is prohibited in the Ten Commandments. Uncontrolled envy and lust can surely lead to bad things, and they can both be psychologically and emotionally destructive. But neither one is prohibited in the Ten Commandments. Why? Because neither is the same as coveting. It is coveting that almost inevitably leads to stealing, to adultery, and sometimes even to murder. Let me explain this in another way. The Tenth Commandment does not prohibit you from saying, Wow, what a great house or car or spouse my neighbor has. I wish I had such a house or car or spouse. That may end up being destructive, but it may also end up being constructive. How? It may spur you to work harder and improve your life Amen. so that you can obtain a house or car or spouse like your neighbors. It is when you want and seek to gain possession of the specific house, car, or spouse that belongs to another that evil ensues. And that is what the Tenth Commandment prohibits. Therefore, one of these Ten Commandments, these Ten Basic Rules of Life, must be 
that we simply cannot allow ourselves to covet what belongs to our neighbor. Whatever belongs to another person must be regarded as sacrosanct. We cannot seek to own anything that belongs to another because only evil can come of it. I'm Dennis Prager. Amen. Kids, you are dismissed to head down to Children's Chapel. Let's all stand our feet. Coveting. You know, one of the things that I notice in the church a lot of times, people just covet, 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 covet. I mean, we don't, because it is something we don't ever discuss, I want to do a little exercise this morning. So now I want you to turn around at your seat, and I want you to grab whatever you have in your seat. We're going to change your special seat that you have coveted, that you've gotten angry over, that you have put your name and your signature on like it is your seat. So this morning, what I would like you to do is we're going to go ahead and change our seats in the sanctuary this morning. And you're going to throw everybody off. We are. And everything's going to get thrown off. So go ahead. Let's practice letting go of coveting. Exercise number one in our practice of coveting. Because I know for so many, this is difficult Amen. All right, everybody's looking good. Thanks for changing up in here. I'm, I'm liking it. And uh, <laughs> there you go. Wonderful. See, I like that. Now, how's that make you feel? Isn't that wonderful? Now, are, are you in? Are you? In? There you go. And uh, this is the first time that I think I've ever seen John and Jody and the Prince family in the front row. So uh, <laughs> it will be the only time. Okay, so here's the, here's the whole idea of it. This is where you're going to sit today. So I want you to turn around or look in front of you and welcome the person that you've never met before to New Hope. Go ahead. Welcome. <laughs> Good to see you. You're wonderful. Great to see you. Welcome to church. <laughs> Good to see you. See how that works? Things just get all changed up and gets people all uncomfortable and everything else because we are in such a habit of coveting. See, I think we have a miscommunication on what covet is. Take that to 72 if you would, please. Uh, Covenant versus contentment. And we become contented to sit in the same seats that we've always sat in. You know, I always love that if, like today, I know we have a lot of people that are gone. They told me they were going to be traveling. School's getting ready to start, so they're taking their last weekend to do some things. And I know the Ballard family is in here because they're at a, a function as well. And so I roped off the back, and everybody says, what's going on with the back rows? And I love doing that because we become so content that when you just do a little bit of something, it throws stuff off. Um, for example, we become so comfortable that we end up, you know, we have the air conditioning on. But let me ask you a question. If I shut the air conditioning off right now and it got up to 100 degrees in here, all of a sudden some of you would get uncomfortable. See, because now for me, everywhere I go, I have to make sure that there's air conditioning. And maybe for some it's coveting the A.C., I'm not sure, but it's an important factor for me. But here's what I want to do. Today I want to talk about coveting or contentment. What's your desire? Let's turn in our Bibles, if we would, please, to Matthew chapter 6. Matthew chapter 6. 
We're going to bring to light some areas of coveting to help all of you understand and hopefully get a better understanding or broaden your horizon on coveting. Now, we understand that in Exodus chapter 20, verse 17, it says, Thou shalt not covet not your neighbor, your neighbor's wife, their ox, their ass, their donkey, whatever. You know, the King James Version says that in there. Don't covet. I'll break that down for you this morning. And I thought it was real interesting as we've been talking about, you know, going through some of the Ten Commandments just for me to be able to bring to light some of these things on coveting. So we won't look at that verse because we know what the Ten Commandments are. But if you need to know where that's at, it's Exodus chapter 20, verse 17. Now, I wanted to start off by reading this verse to you and listen closely. Lay not up for yourselves treasures upon earth where moth and rust doth corrupt, and where thieves break through and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust doth corrupt, and where thieves do not break through nor steal. For where your, for verse 21 in Matthew chapter 6, we were in Matthew chapter 6, verse 19, then we read 20, and now we're at 21. Let's all follow together. See, for those that are listening, what we ended up doing is we ended up changing seats in the church, but... I think we've changed Bibles or context. I'm not sure. But are we all on verse 21 in Matthew chapter 6 this morning? Wonderful. For where your, there will your heart be also. For where your treasure is, there is where your heart will be also. Luke chapter 12. Luke chapter 12. That's Matthew, Mark, Luke. Luke chapter 12. Verse 13, that's Luke chapter 12, verse 13. And I hear some in the congregation that are saying, I think it was his fault. He said something wrong. I probably did, but I apologize. Please forgive me for I might do it again. Luke chapter 12, verse 13. So what happens when you get everybody all mixed up. Hey, I'm, you might come in next week. I might be preaching from the back of the sanctuary. I'm not sure. I just don't want to get, you know, too comfortable in, in you know, what, what we're going through here today. So we're at Luke chapter 12, verse 13. And one of the company said unto them, Master, speak to my brother that he divide the inheritance with me. And he said unto him, Man, who made me a judge or a divider over you? And he said unto them, Take heed and beware of covetousness. For man's life consisteth not in the abundance of the things which he possesseth. And he spake a parable unto them, saying, The ground of a certain rich man brought forth plentifully. And he thought within himself, saying, What shall I do, because I have no room where to bestow my fruits? That word bestow, for some, means where shall I store my crops? In verse 19, and I will say to my soul, soul, thou hast much goods laid up for many years. Take thine ease, eat, drink, and be merry. But God said unto him, thou fool, this night thy soul shall be required of thee. Then who shall those things be which thou hast provided? So is he that layeth up treasure for himself and is not rich toward God. 
And if you'll notice, as we continue to read, and he said unto his disciples, Therefore I say unto you, take no thought for your life, what you shall eat, neither for the body, what you shall put on. The life is more than meat, and the body is more than raiment. Consider the ravens, for they neither sow nor reap, which neither have storehouse nor barn, and God feedeth them. How much more are you better than the fowls? And which of you, with taking thought, can add to his stature one cubit? If you then be not able to do that thing which is least, why take ye thought for the rest? Consider the lilies, how they grow. They toil not, they spin not. And yet I say unto you, that Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. If then God so clothed the grass which is today in the field, and tomorrow is cast into the, in, into the oven, how much more will he clothe you, O you of little faith? And seek not ye what ye shall eat or what ye shall drink, neither be of a doubtful mind. For all these things do the nations of the world seek after, and the Father know that he has need. Of these things. And now we continue in verse 31. But rather seek ye the kingdom of God, and all these things shall be added unto you. Fear not, little flock, for it is your Father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. Sell what you have, and give alms. Provide yourselves bags which wax not old, a treasure in heavens that faileth not, where no thief approacheth, neither moth corrupts. For where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. For where your treasure is, there where your heart be also. Today we focus on the last ten commandments. In these laws of God's governing our daily living here on earth, we see that God has a high standard that he expects his people to strive for in life. And I trust that as we move along through these verses that we, st- we will see some area in our lives, maybe where we recognize the need for some correction, and where we will make the efforts necessary to change in order to come in line with God's word. So as God wraps up his list of the big ten, what does he want to conclude with? You shall not covet. We all have ambitions. We all should have goals. Covetousness, though, is an excessive desire for something. There's nothing wrong with wanting certain things. Like something better for your family, a better job or an education or moving from the 1967 Dodge Polara into a new car. But coveting is an inordinate craving that eventually causes compromises of convictions. And trying to obtain what you want, it is also an envious desire for what someone else has. Desiring what they have to be yours. It is like greed in terms of... Of the desire for more. And like envy in terms of the desire for what someone else has. Greed. Pastor T, would you please turn the air off? Thank you, sir. We'll get it comfortable for a few minutes. And, uh, and hopefully when we go. I was trying to give him sign language up here and all that. And he was looking at me. And I knew by the look on his face, he's like, the last time I checked, I didn't do sound, sign language preacher, but I just want to say that you're full of grace today. Bless you, my brother sitting over there in the... the, the that's exactly right. I know. <laughs> but we just wanted everybody to notice that you're sitting up there. You know, brother, I have to tell you, I love that you're sitting in that section. Pastor Luke, maybe we should put the pastors right over there in the, the pastoral elder section, right? High back chairs. Yeah, listen to you. 
Oh, my goodness. So we talk about coveting. And we understand that coveting sometimes, we get it mixed up with greed. We get it mixed up with, you know, wanting something somebody else has. And so we lose that sense of contentment. And when we start losing contentment, we start saying, I need, I want, I have to have. One of the worst things that are out there, I think, for coveting is automobiles. Because when you go get an automobile, you start, you know, they have this, this whole thing painted out for us. Go into the dealership, and everything, they've got the, the certain lights, the certain temperature, the music's playing. Your whole experience is going to be enjoyable. And then you look at that car, and you want the one on the showroom floor until you look at the tag and, and, and on the, um, what's it called, Leslie? On the sticker, thank you. On the sticker, you start to notice that the invoice starts to read $71,958. And in your mind, you start saying, well, let's see, if I don't eat and I don't do anything, I think I can drive around in this nice $71,000 truck. And then you have to walk back outside onto the asphalt where it's 110 degrees and look at the one that's 35000 and meets your budget. But it's so easy for us to covet because we sit there and then we start, how do I want to say this? We'll start to justify the reasons why we deserve such an automobile. And, and today I know the congregation is looking at me like, I've never done that. You've all been there. We've all done. I like that car. I need that car. I, li- I need air conditioned seats and I need, you know, I need the car to speak to me and, and to serve me dinner and all kinds of stuff. And, you know, so we'll start to justify because we start coveting other than saying, you know what? I really thank God for my 1967 Dodge Polara. Turquoise interior, two door, beautiful pearl black until your sister decides to take it for a drive. And wraps it around a telephone pole. Where's she at? I don't know where she's at. That's right. (laughs) And then all of a sudden, your 1967 Dodge Polara isn't such a prized little possession anymore. And so, thank the Lord. I mean, I will tell you what happened. I did go through... I, (laughs) I did go through the parking lot because my... Uh, my twin sister, and let's put this on record, uh, yes, and did not tell me till I was in my 20s that she was the one that wrecked my car. And so, um, so I, I will tell you what I did every day my senior year. I decided to go out and check every vehicle because I knew that somebody with yellow paint had hit my car. And so every day I would go out there, and now I look back on that over my life, and I wonder if, was I coveting that automobile? Was I saying, you know what, this automobile means this much to me and, you know, it's, it has to, to stay that way. And when I get out, what was I going to do if I walked up to somebody's car and saw that really they hit my car? I know you're always there to help me out. Which reminds me of a joke. Listen to this. Yes, I have. Did you hear the one about the guy who found a bottle on the beach? And when he pulled out the cork, out popped a genie. The genie gave him three wishes, but said, be careful what you wish for, because who you envy most will receive twice as much as you do. The guy wished for $5 million. Poof! It appeared at his feet. At the same moment, miles away, $10 million appeared at the feet of who, envy, who he envied most. 
Next, he wished for the largest, most exquisite diamond in the world. It appeared at his feet, but the man who he envied most got two of them. As the man realized how well his enemy was doing, see, he got more and more frustrated, trying to think of what to wish for next. Finally, he turned to that genie and said, okay, I'm ready. Scare me half to death. Okay, though it may be natural to desire some things, even when they belong to others, when that inner desire that becomes inordinate or excessive, it becomes coveting. And coveting then fuels our inward desires for what is not needed or wrong. Listen, coveting then fuels our inward desires for what is not needed or wrong. God forbids coveting because it sets... My heart on things of earth rather than on things of heaven. It removes our trust away from God and makes us discontent with what he has provided for our life. The Bible teaches us that we are to live a life that is content and trust God for all of our needs. Exodus chapter 20 verse 17 says this, you shall not covet your neighbor's house. You shall not covet your neighbor's wife. Or his male servant, or female servant, or his ox, or his donkey, or anything that belongs to your neighbor. And again, I'll I'll get, you know, basically I'll, I'll break that down for you here in a few minutes. But here's what I think we miss. The Greek word for covet is to lust after. Now oftentimes, we will do whatever we need. To lust after something or someone that what ends up happening, and I told my wife this, it does. It removes that fellowship that we have with God and that relationship we have with God and it puts it and it focuses on that situation. Do you think that America has done such a wonderful job of passing out credit cards? Oh, you deserve a $25,000 credit card. And before long... And by the time you won't be able to pay for that credit card, we will have owned you, your house, your children, your dogs and cats, and everything else. Because you will have paid back 29.98% interest. By the time you pay off that credit card, you've now paid $100,000. And they're happy about that. Because you see, we've put ourselves, Christian, into a position where we covet. We have to have more. It's never enough. And so we lust and, and our, our life becomes so uh, focused on greed, and I'm not making that the focus of my message today, but coveting puts us in a whole different perspective and position when it comes to what we think or what we ought to have and need. I love that if we truly believe in faith and we truly believe in, in our, our relationship with God, then God puts us in a place where we can stop and say, God, what have you have for me? I'm content with. That's hard to do. I was sitting out on my deck, and I told my wife, I said, I love living here. I'm content with what I have. And I said, you know, a lot of people, just a guy said to me the other day, do you guys miss living down there in that big house? He's never been in my house. He don't know that the basement's done, and the other house didn't have the basement done. I know we went from a four-bedroom to three-bedroom, but because we got the basement done, we now have a four-bedroom. I'm content. I really am. I love I love what we did. I love that God opened up the doors and opportunity came and things changed. 
I mean, you have to sometimes stop. And I know it's very difficult. You may not like your current situation. You may not like your current job. But maybe God puts you there for a reason. Because you're supposed to be the catalyst in the automobile to lead that person to Christ. Are you doing your job? See, when we start putting our heart and our mind on things above instead of things on this earth, then we start to put our life into perspective to where God wants us to be in our walk with him. You know, I tell my wife all the time, you know, being a pastor and yet on the flip side, having a cleaning company, yes, it is humbling. The things people say and the things, and I've said that before, but I'm content with what I do. I really love what I do. I do. I love, I love blessing people. I just get upset that if I strip and wax somebody's floor and they don't notice it, like they said that to me the other night, I was like, oh, no, you didn't. And they said, oh, yes, I did. Oh, no, you didn't. I'm like, did you guys notice I got the floors done? You did? You just really hurt my feelings. Anyhow, that was a little advertisement. But, um, but on, the, on the flip side, you know, Oh, yeah, I have 15 more minutes. Okay, great. I don't know why that alarm went off so quick. <laughs> kidding. But anyhow, um, let's look at three things. I would like us to notice three things about coveting. One, the onslaught of covetousness, the outcome of covetousness, and overcoming of covetousness. Number one, first, the onslaught of covetousness. Where does it come from? And here's what Jesus said in Mark chapter 7, verse 21 and 22, and I'll fly through these real quick, but yet I want you to learn something about this today. Jesus said, For from within, out of the heart of men, proceed evil thoughts, adulteries, fornication, murderers, thefts, thefts, covetousness. I'm getting it out there. Ezekiel cried out, with their mouth they show much love, but their heart goeth after their covetousness. Isn't it amazing? Okay, now I'm going to tell you this. For myself, when, when, I won't get ahead of the message. I'll tell you this in just a minute, and I will go back to it. But covetousness is an inner desire that gets out of control. When we allow a covetous heart to dominate our lives, we then become slaves to the things that we want. When this happens, we will be guilty of placing the Lord in second place of our lives. There's nothing wrong in possessing things, but we fall into sin when things begin to possess us. You know, I like what it says because here in the story in uh, Luke's gospel, there were two fellows who were fighting, each over their inheritance, and that's what I read to you on the onset of this message out of Luke. Take heed and beware of covetousness, for a man's life consisteth not in the abundance of things which he possesseth. Then Jesus told the rich man who talked about crops, his barn, he said, my good, my, 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 my soul. You heard me read it in Luke 12. He went on to tell the parable of a man who spent so much time and energy storing up grains and goods. He built bigger barns to store them up so that he could then truly enjoy life. Even before he can enjoy life, God took him. And here's what Jesus says. You fool. This very night, your life will be demanded from you. Then who will get what was prepared for yourself? Covetousness is a deceiving, deceiving sin. Usually the covetous person doesn't know they are that way. It's hidden within. 
Right now, the covetousness ones in the room are probably thinking they really don't need this message. But I'm here to tell you, you, I think we all need this message. Here's what Charles Spurgeon had to say to thousands. He had seen saved, but he never heard someone say they were saved from the sin of coveting. Isn't that interesting? LaSalle, a famous priest of the Middle Ages, said this sin was never confessed to him. Because it's something we don't ever talk about. Because we live in a society where we have to and we need more and we need to gain more. Because remember the Joneses that live next door? They have all the wonderful things. And I need all the wonderful things that the Joneses have. We have to be careful of coveting. And we realize that it is yet a common sin. And we all deal with that sin. One cannot... Read the Bible without finding incident after incident where men wanted that which wasn't theirs. Watch closely. In the Garden of Eden, Eve coveted the forbidden fruit and brought sin and death into the world. Lot covered the best land, and mankind is still fighting over that land today, right? And Achan coveted some gold, silver, and expensive garments and brought defeat to a nation and death to himself and his family. Ahab coveted Naboth's vineyard and committed murder in his attempt to grab what belonged to another. David coveted Bathsheba, Uriah's wife, and as a result brought the sword of God into his household for generations after generations and for generations to come. Judas covered 30 pieces of silver, resulting not only in the Savior's death, but in his own Death. Ananias and Sapphira also died because of it. The list goes on and on. There are many who, if they were honest, would have to admit that they possessed a covetous heart. So I did this little thing, and I don't have my cell phone on me, so I wrote it down. They forecasted in 2014 what would be spent in 2015 just in advertising, marketing, etc., through commercials, catalogs, whatever. $200 billion was spent. You know why? Because they want people, and they're there to convince people that they have to have it. You want this, don't you? So they spend money and spend money and spend money. You know, I'll never forget when we first started the church. I did this little advertisement. It was on an AM you know, station. Sir, we have a question for you. Would you like to be during primetime hour? Or would you like to be in the morning? How about at midnight? How about in the middle of the night? Well, tell me your tears. Well, in the middle of the night, it goes from cheap. You know, this is how they do it. It's, you know, $30 for your 30-second commercial. And at noon, you know, it's $330 for the same commercial. Which one did I choose? The $30 slot. Did we get anybody from it? No. But it's just a point to be given and to be taken. In reality, we spend so much money trying to convince people you have to have it. It's America today. It's what we do. It's how we, we motivate and, and try to tell people you have to have this. And yet that's Satan's ploy to distract us from having that deeper relationship with God. Covetousness has even invaded the church. A current false doctrine is that God will just grant you whatever you believe. For what God is interested in is making you successful, rich, and healthy. I name it, 
and claim it type of faith. Teaching abounds in some churches. You can have what you want, and that's no doubt. You just ask for it, and you will get it. Because your life is going to be beautiful, and you're going to have flowers and green grass. That's prosperity gospel. But this command goes into a little more detail. And let me break it down for you. It talks about different categories of things that we might be tempted to covet. It says this, house. To some people, having the right house in the right neighborhood is the ultimate in satisfaction. Two, servants. Okay, so maybe you don't covet servants as much these days as they did back then. But how about their dishwasher? How about a microwave? How about things in the house? How about their car? Or do you covet their Mercedes, their Corvette? their SUV, everything that's sitting in their driveway. Am I, am I reaching some people in here? Is this hitting home for some? Have you seen it? Have you? Let me explain something to you, and this is the story I was going to go into. I've known people in my life who it doesn't matter what you have, they will have better. And they'll make sure of it. That's how they are. They will covet. They don't care. You get something new, they're getting something newer. You get something uh, sharper, it's going to be amazing at how awesome they're going to look. We have to be very careful. You know, I got to tell you, um, where I'm at and some of the things um, in my life, I, I was telling my wife this. This was just even yesterday. I said, one of the things that, for me, that really moves me is this. When you end up having a covetous spirit, it's when you simplify your life. And simplicity is just this. Back where I used to live, I used to call that Snob Hill. That was just down the street. I hated living in Snob Hill because... Everybody around me, you, have you guys ever seen that show on TV called Pimp My Ride? You know, I, I love cars. So, yeah, I try not to, I know that sounds crazy, but it's called Pimp My Ride. And uh, so, anyhow, uh, I've watched that on TV where these people really, they, they do some cool stuff to their cars, and I love it. And, uh, but I'm not coveting. And uh, so, anyhow, that's what it reminds me of down there in Snob Hill, and I told my wife, I said, I love living up on the other end of the street because up at the other end of the street, we're just simple people. And down there, you know, the, the house across the, the street, I always called it the Pimp My Ride house because every time we had company, they had to pull out their Lexus, their Cadillac, and their BMW. Thank you. And, uh, and he had to park it on the road. You see... What ends up happening is people think that's all there is to life. That isn't all there is to life. The value of an individual, having a relationship with Jesus Christ, is what's so much more important. And if you don't have a relationship with Jesus Christ and all you do is try to impress the Joneses and those that are around you, then you've missed God's true blessings in your life. It says this, don't even covet after an ox or a donkey. You know why it said that there in the Ten Commandments? Because an ox or a donkey was actually somebody's tractor. And so in Moses' day, people were like, man, I wish I had the livestock that they have. I wish I had the things that they have because, remember, wealth came from the fruit of the land. 
Wealth came from, you know, bringing in the crops and bringing in those things that, that help people to be able to, to make a nice career and bring in uh, the funds into their home. And so back then, even, even in the Ten Commandments, Moses was saying, listen, God told me this. Don't cover what other people have. Have I said the word covet enough this morning? And I hope that we're really driving that home because it is something that I've been very convicted over. Because I see it so often in our church. And I'm going to tell you what happens with pastors. We covet other churches. We do. We covet other churches. Oh, I wish I had that congregation. Oh, I wish I had what he had. I wish I wasn't here. Well, you know what I've learned? Let's just be content with what God has given you. Because I'll tell you right now, I felt the Spirit of God on your deck, Leslie, like I felt it in the sanctuary. I felt it in the YMCA. I felt it in the Court Cultural Center like I felt it here. People got saved there. We baptized people in the pool at the YMCA as much as we baptized them here. And so when you start doing the work of the Lord and nothing else becomes your focus, yeah, I was exhausted. I mean, back then the style was you wear a suit. Me and Shelva were talking about this this morning. You wear a suit. Sometimes I had three-piece suits on. And when you're pulling that tarp across that gym floor, it got really hot in there. But you know what? It was some of the greatest memories I will have to take home to the Lord. Just having the privilege and opportunity. You see, we've coveted our sleep. We've coveted our schedule. We've coveted the things that hinder us from having a deeper relationship with God. Some of you have even said this. My neighbor, oh, he makes twice as much as I do, and he spends most of his time out on the golf course with his clients. And I have to put up with a supervisor who cusses me out all day long and criticizes me even when I'm, it's not even my fault. Anything so far we've seen that can covet. We've seen you can covet a home, personal relationships, possessions that make life easier and more prestigious. And sometimes we covet having even a different kind of job because we think the grass is greener on the other side. Well, that just about covers it all. It leaves you to investigate yourself and your own desires. Let's see if we can't come up with some other things. How about this? I, I thought, you know, uh, and I've heard these, so I wrote these down. Do you covet someone else's sportability, their marriage, their clothes, their bank account, their figure, their kids? Why can't you kids be more like the neighbor's kids? I know you guys all had angel kids, so nobody said that in here. And, uh, but Do you covet someone else's teaching ability or their singing ability or anything that you feel like they can do better than you can do? Well, let me tell you this, and I'm going to close, and then I'll finish this message out next week. And I'm just wanna, I'm not, I, I want to focus on these words without kind of pushing through it. But I really want with all sincerity to say to all of you, where your treasure is, that's where your heart is also. Where's your treasure? I was sitting on the deck and I told my wife this. I said, one of the hardest things for me is so many people look at the glass half empty instead of half full. Why don't we start looking at things half full? Well, she's not here. Well, he's not here. Well, they're not here. I wish he did this. I wish I just wish you would have a better attitude. How about that? Quit coveting what other people have because when you do that, 
then your focus gets off, gets off of Christ. So this morning, I guess for me, I have to, to really look within myself and, and know that I have sinned. I have sinned. And I have coveted. I've done the very things that God said don't do. Yeah, it's always nicer to look at what else someone else has. But you know what? I can sing skip to the loo, my darling, zippity-doo-dah as I come into this church because I love this sanctuary. But what saddens me more than anything is our lack of commitment. Oh, that church over there, they got a band. They've got lights, cameras, actions. Things are going on there like you don't know what's going on there. Let me tell you something. When you go there and try it out, it's all the same. Satan is not a respecter of persons. And so here's how I want you to look at coveting. Now watch this. Out of every ten commandments, there's only one that deals with a personal and mental emotional change. That's do not covet. Isn't that interesting? Thou shalt not commit adultery. Thou shalt not lie. If you go all the way down through the ten commandments, there's only but one that deals with a heart change and a mind change. So, this morning, I'm going to ask you to do something. You know what you've coveted. You know where he says to be content with all things that you have. So what I want you to do is, whatever God has brought to mind for you right now, which I'm sure he has, because that's how the Holy Spirit works, just let go of it. Ask God, say, God, forgive me for, for coveting that. Because in all reality, you don't know who or what or why those people have what they have or the situation they're in. When I was 15 years old, I was called to preach. I may not be the most dynamic speaker that's out there, but I'm willing. But I, the Bible says they that compare themselves among themselves are not wise. They that commend themselves among themselves are not wise. Stop church. Stop Christian. Just be who and what God made you to be. Because he loves you. He cares for you. And he wants what is best for you. All of these things that we've talked about so far have at least one thing in common. Each and every one of them is a part of this life. They're temporary. They're a part of the world that I will leave behind when I die. The question is not, what am I building here? But what am I sending on ahead of me into eternity? You see, the question is not, what am I building here? But what am I sending on ahead of me into eternity? When the Father sends Jesus down to get us, He will not drag you to heaven. He doesn't want us to hesitate when we hear the trumpet blow. He wants us to be in such an attitude that we are looking forward to his coming and that we anticipate it every single day of our lives. Do you anticipate your home going? Do you anticipate your reunion? If you don't know Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, quit coveting. Let go of it. Make a mind change. Make a heart change. And let Jesus take full authority, full control of your life. Let go. Now, ready for this? And when God says to you today, let go of that money. 
Let go of your tithe. It wasn't yours to begin with. Just let go of it. And then see what God will do. But on that latter part, you don't even have to see what God will do. Just do it because it's obedience. It's the relationship that you have with Almighty God. I hope and pray that as I continue to grow in Christ, that I'll stop coveting. That I won't put everything all in one basket and sit on it and hoard it because I can't take it with me. But what we can take is the influence that we have in other people's lives in Jesus Christ. Would you bless somebody today? Would you encourage someone today? And would you let go of that one thing that has kept you in bondage and you've been struggling with for so long? Let's all stand as we pray. Father, we love you and we thank you, Lord, for for your word this morning. Father, we thank you that we can let go and let God. Father, that we can sing songs of how great is our God and how wonderful you are. And God, we realize that even today, in, in all of our lives, Lord, we covet. Lord, we're always, I mean, I remember as a young man driving through nice neighborhoods. Father, and please forgive me, but I would say, oh, I'd love to live in that house. Yes, Lord, I've worked hard. And Father, I've, I've been diligent. And Lord, I thank you for the blessings that you've provided. And the provisions that are, that are always bestowed. But Father, even in my own life, in the lives of, of your children and your people, oh God, help us to not covet. Help us to be the, the type of Christian and child that you expect from us. Father, help us to live a life that our treasure and our heart can be about the kingdom, not so much about our crazy schedules or our sleep. Father, today some have slept. Because they covet their sleep. Maybe, Father, for some of us, we've coveted our just being lazy. I'm not doing that because it's about me today. Oh, God, thank you for encouraging us today. Thank you for your word. Thank you for helping me. I don't want to just hear the words that will tickle our ears or even mine. But, Lord, I need to be challenged even in my own walk. Lord, help me to to draw close to you even more as I make those sacrifices and commitments to you. God, help this church to have a heart change. God, help them to move forward your kingdom and let go of their pride, their self-centeredness, and their greed. For you said, where your heart is, that's where your treasure is at. And where your treasure is at, that's where your heart is at. Oh God, I hope and pray that as I labor on this earth, that I'm laying up my treasures in heaven. God, challenge us, remake us, and remold us. In your name we pray. Amen. Let's sing together. Draw me close to you.